Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. We're thankful to be together. We continue our study in John's letters. We're in the third chapter of his first letter that he wrote late in the first century, around 90, 86 to 90 AD, something like that. Oldest living disciple of Jesus, an eyewitness of Jesus, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. I begin with reminding you of this guy. Uh, you remember him, Andrew Agassi, Andre Agassi, uh, the former great tennis champion, eight grand slams he won, millions of dollars. When his memoir came out, the interesting thing was is that he confessed that he hated tennis. He said this, I hate tennis. I hate it with a dark secret passion and always have. I hate tennis. I hate it with all my heart. And still I keep playing, keep hitting all morning and all afternoon because I have no choice. No matter how much I want to stop, I don't. I keep begging myself to stop and still I keep playing. And, and this gap, this contradiction between what I want to do and what I actually do feels like the core of my life. Now, I think the same thing could be said about us who follow Jesus and our dealing with sin and our fight against sin because we so want to be done with it and yet there's part of us that still runs to it. And we, we have this. And Paul said it well, didn't he? He said, the Apostle Paul said, I, the things I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. The things I do, I don't want to do. He knew this inner conflict that went on. In our text today, we have verse 9 that says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. That's a troubling verse to us. Because we know us, don't we? And we know our struggle with sin. We don't want to sin, and yet we do. He says here, you don't continue to sin when you've been born of God. That, that verse can wreak havoc to a person's faith. Certainly a new believer who has come to Christ at the very beginning. Now, now here is, uh, for, as for the writer here of John, whose purpose among many is to give us a sense of assurance of salvation he surely has an odd way to address it if he's saying what we think he's saying. Now, we need to understand the context of all that he's saying here. So let's begin with verse 1 of the chapter and see it in its context verse. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is, is no sin. No one who lives in him continues on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. 
The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's sin, God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and, the, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. In our text today, John is establishing us firmly in the faith by telling us the truth about the Savior, about sin, and about salvation. So let's begin with the work of Christ. Now, there are a number of ways we can answer the question, why was Jesus born? Uh, But primarily, he was born into this world, God in the flesh, to address the sin problem. That's what we all share in common, the sin problem. Uh, He came to deal with sins and with sin. Now, that sounds redundant, but let me explain as we go here. We're, We're all familiar with the truth that we are saved by grace. That is, by no effort of our own. We cannot earn heaven. We cannot earn right standing with God. We, we, we say that all the time because it's so easy to think that by our goodness, by our good works, we gain salvation. And that's, that is a falsehood. That's a lie. It's only by our full trust in Jesus' death on the cross. Actually, the cross did two things. It addressed the guilt we have of our sins, and it also addressed the curse of sin. Jesus came to deal with both sins, our personal sins, and with sin itself. Theologian Jack Cottrell puts it in the best way for us. He says, we are in double trouble, and therefore we need a double cure. So let me put it this way. You're at the grocery store and you're getting ready to check out. You look to your left and there is a National Enquirer. This is what it says. (laughs) All right. I'm in debt and I have a disease. Now I'm really ticked at this place and part of my sermon because Luke is gone on a retreat. He didn't see this part of my manuscript. And so... I told everybody last hour, if you have a smartphone, I won't give his cell phone number out, but if you have Luke's cell phone number, I want you to text, I'm shocked. That's all I want you to say. <laughs> Would you know he texted me and said, you're out of control. <laughs> he was watching. He's supposed to be focusing on the men he's with. So text him, just, just say something, text him right now if you have his number and just say, get off Steve's back, you know. <laughs> Or quit throwing Steve under the bus, something. This was my chance. I'm so depressed right now. Anyway. <laughs> Indeed, it's Luke's problem, and it's your problem and my problem. We have a debt problem. We, we owe Jesus, we, we owe the Father this, this debt of sin. We've, we've, we're, we're rebels at heart. We, we are sinners. And, and that, that we... We have to do something about that. But we also have a disease. Um, and, and it, it, this, double, this double cure demands um, 
is demanded because we have we're in double trouble. So the first part of the double cure addresses our debt problem. That is the guilt problem. We are guilty. Christ died for our sins on the cross, and we have the forgiveness of sins because he died in our place. All the wrath of God was put on him. All the wrath that you and I deserve was put on Jesus. Darkness came over of the earth because of that, and this the wrath diverted on him so God could look at us through the blood of Jesus and call us his children. We're no longer slaves to sin. That's what we're celebrating, that song. God's wrath has been diverted onto his own son. That's the first part of the double cure. The second part of the double cure resolves the problem of our spiritual darkness and restores us to spiritual wholeness. Now, here is how we know God as healer and as the great physician. We go, when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we recognize our sin, our wills are involved, we are laid in that watery grave, and we, that we are repenting. We're saying, we don't, we, don't want it, we don't want to carry the burden of these sins. And we are going through open heart surgery at that time. There's a heart transplant that takes place. God said through Ezekiel the prophet, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's what happens when we're born again. We have a new beginning uh, a fresh start. We die to self. We die to our past. We die to our sins. We die to being first and calling the shots in our lives. And we come into the lordship of Jesus. That's what it means to be born again and to be raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. The old is gone and the new has come. I can remember my mom when I was young and had a fever and she'd come to check on me and she put her hand on my forehead and say, I think your fever broke. And that's what happens when we're baptized into Jesus Christ. The, the, the sickness breaks and we're on the way of getting better. But what about the sin that's still there? Where, where, is that, where do we stand today? Well, we've stopped paying the price for our sin by our good works. Now, we need good works. The Bible says that's how we show how important Christ is to us, by our good works out of thanksgiving to him. Jesus Christ took those sins away and the blood of Christ that we come in contact with in baptism is continually in effect when we sin against God. Uh, so that's not a process. You know, we, we come, we, we are born again, we are new creatures in Christ. It happens when we're baptized into him. Also, we enter the process of getting well for the rest of our lives getting over the disease we have. This is the process of the divine doctor's work in our lives. That's what the Bible calls sanctification. We are growing more and more to be like Jesus. And I hope that's true of you. So when we die, finally, we're still going to have a residue of sin in our lives because this is a fallen world. And, and, and it, it, this is a process. It's never going to be complete in this life. But when we stand before him, finally, wholeness, full healing, uh, 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 the, 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 we, we, you will never know yourself any better way than you will on that day when you're welcomed into God's heavenly home. This is, this is the truth about the work of Christ, a double cure for a double trouble. We're all in debt and we're all diseased. Then there's the warning about sin John addresses. John makes a huge distinction between those who occasionally sin and those who continually live a sinful behavior. In order to understand this, know these two truths. First of all, God's child does not 
continually practice sin without repentance. Now, as a Christian, uh, we've all got to come to grips with what the Bible says. We, We stumble and fall. We all do that. But if we continually practice a sinful behavior without remorse, without regret, certainly without a desire for repentance and actual repentance, then we're not living as a child of God, as a born-again person. How many in our congregation you know, just grieve over children and grandchildren who had training in the Lord and have gone their own way. Uh, they, they, they've decided to run their lives their own way They're always prayed for. It doesn't mean that that child or grandchild has stopped believing in God or that Jesus died on the cross for the sins. They might come to a family gathering, a church on Christmas and Easter, but they're not living under the reign of Christ. And so your prayers are always for them that somehow they come to their senses, like Luke 15, the prodigal story, the prodigal son story, and and come back to, to the source of blessing, the source of salvation, right? So that's what repentance looks like. I've been living this way and I come home to who the Lord is. John is saying we can't keep a sinning pattern and not address it and think we're children of God. That's not how children of God behave. Second, God's child will continually practice righteousness. Now, when the Bible talks about righteousness, there are really two kinds of righteousness. First of all, there is a positional righteousness. So, when we are born again, God declares us righteous. That means we are in right standing with God because of our trust in Jesus' work on the cross. Sometimes, this is the challenge living in our particular area of the Bible Belt, the greater Indianapolis area. There's basically a conservative area to live as far as values and morals go, by and large. And a person I'm talking to might say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a really good person. And they are. They're a good person, and they're very moral. They're, they're raising kids really well. They're great parents. Um, they, 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 you know, good workers, generous people. And I've had people say to me, I don't understand why I need Jesus. Well, the reason is, the Bible says, one sin makes us orphans before God. Now, we may not feel like orphans, but that's beside the point. The Bible tells us the truth about ourselves. And without surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, we have sins that haven't been taken care of. All have sinned and fallen short of God's holiness and his standard. All of us, that's what the Bible says about ourselves. And so the first thing that happens when I'm born again, when I'm baptized into Christ, my position with God changes. And that's the most important thing. I was an orphan and now I've been adopted. I have, I have this perfect parent, this God who loves me, and I'm in right standing from him. The second kind of righteousness is a practical righteousness. That's all about how we do our lives, how we do our work, how, we're, how we do our, our schoolwork, how we obey our teachers, how we do a life on the campus, how we, how we live with neighbors, how we do family life. It's about, it's about things. Now, the positional Righteousness has to do with our, re, our relationship to God. Practical, relationship, practical righteousness has to do with our, our fellowship with God. And you know what I mean. And if you've had a, a week where you haven't done very well as a child of God, you may feel really guilty walking to church. It, it interrupts whatever flow was happening, right? That's what happens. So we've got a lot of kids in here today. So kids, I'm going to play a clip 
And so I want you to tell me what the name of the movie is and what the song title is. Okay, here you go. Listen. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take. But break it down to this next breath. This next step. Nobody is. What's the movie? Frozen! Frozen 2. Good. I wish I had candy to give you. I don't have any candy. I meant to get some. I forgot. Sorry. Okay. And what? Do you know the, do you know the title of the song? I forget your daughter's name. Ava. 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 Do you know the title of the song? No. No. You failed utterly right now. Okay. No, that's okay. Okay. Anybody know the name of the song? Okay. What is it? Next right thing. That's my granddaughter right there. She knew it. All right. I didn't tell you, did I? We did not talk beforehand, did we? All right. Do the next right thing. It's a great song. Do the next right. That's what practical righteousness is, is we do the next right thing, whatever that is. It might be forgiving your spouse. It might be having a heart-to-heart with your kid. It might be being generous to your neighbor. It might be getting out of bed. It might be deciding, no, I can't lie about that. It might be doing the work the teacher told you to do. Whatever it is, what is the next right thing? That's what God calls us to in this life we we, we live before him. So, um, and that's why the Holy Spirit is so significant. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes, God promises his Holy Spirit who empowers us to do the right thing when we don't even feel like it. That's the good thing about God's goodness to us. He, He knows we can't. And so he gives us his own presence by the Holy Spirit to help us do well. Third, we have the wonder of the new birth. In 1 John 3, 9, we read the term born of God twice. What does it mean to be born of God? Now, there's a man who met Jesus named Nicodemus. And Jesus and he had this conversation that, that where the first, the first time born again is ever spoken. Let's listen in on their conversation. I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. The Eastern slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell the paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? to show us a kingdom that is what our rulers are worried about no not that kind then what a sort of kingdom that a person cannot see 
unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? <laughs> I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, mm -hmm. may she rest in peace, is dead. <laughs> Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? Sound? Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize His effect. Stellar conversation. You know. Peter wrote, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the good news. And what a God who would condescend to where we are and say, look, I, I want you to have life at its best. It sounds like when you surrender to Christ, it sounds like you're giving up all this good stuff. I'm telling you, you have no idea. You die to self, you die your past, and Jesus Christ always has greater things for us than we could ever gain by our own initiative and our efforts. We are born again with a new nature because we are sinners by nature, aren't we? We feel it, we know it, and by choice. We, we purposely sin. And nobody had to teach us how to sin, right? How many of you since toddlerhood have sometime told a lie? Come on. That makes you liars just the way you sit there. How many of you ever stole anything from toddlerhood forward? <sighs> Lying again, I tell you. It's a good thing you're all in church. You're liars and thieves, right? Good thing to be here. Yes, by choice and by nature. The, the point I make is that, that, that the point is um, that we're not liars because we lie you know, we lie because we're liars. That that's the very core of who we are. We are not good. We, we, we claim control of our own lives and we lay that down. We are born again. This word baptize means to immerse, to plunge, to dunk. Repentance is right with it because repent means your, your decision is a part of it. That's why we don't sprinkle infants. 
You know, we, we, there's a reason for that. Our, our decision is here and we, we are born again when we're baptized into Christ. You know, Jeremiah 17, nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And you become a follower of Christ. Everything changes. Does all the sin go away? No, sadly, that's, that's where the great physician keeps working with us over and over again. It's, it's a lifelong journey, lifelong process. You know, Augustine, Augustine was an early church father. You probably heard this before, that he was a wild, he lived wildly. He's a great womanizer uh, in his former life. He lived in Carthage, North Africa, and uh, he came to Christ, was baptized into him. And one of his lady friends saw him not long after that, said, Augustine, it is I. And he responded, yes, but it is no longer I. That's the truth. We're not who we used to be and not who we're going to be as we allow God's spirit to continue work in us. And we are born again with a new desire also. Notice verse nine says, we will not keep on sinning. In other words, we don't practice sin because we have the seed of God in us and we can't stand it. The seed of God is in us. And, and it, it troubles us when we see, uh, see ourselves sin, when we think what we think, when the intentions of our heart are exposed, when we hear ourselves by the words that we speak, by the actions we do, we're, we're, we, we, we hate that. We see it. Why? Because God's seed is in us. And so our wanter has changed. No word there, but you can take it with you if you want. Our, our, want, our want to has changed. Now, I don't want to please the flesh anymore. I want to please my Savior and my God. So as followers of Jesus, are we going to sin? Yes, sadly we are, because we have a sin nature. Occasionally, we're going to trip up. But when we do, the Holy Spirit convicts us. He drives us to confess our sin, repent of our actions, so that our fellowship of God will not be broken. So 1 John 3, 9 doesn't say that a Christian can't sin but it just teaches us that a true Christian can't hit sin habitually without repentance um, and be God's child. To put it in another way, God, God hasn't fixed us so, so we can't sin, but he has fixed us so we cannot sin and enjoy it. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we, we handle these truths, Father, that stretch us and they, they deepen us in our conviction of faith and they, they move us. And I trust, Father, that everyone who has heard the announcement of the gospel, the good news of Jesus today, is able to celebrate fully in these truths. That maybe there are those in here, Father, today that are living a double life, and I pray, Father, this message will help them understand they can't sin habitually without repentance and also be a child of God. I pray for anyone in this assembly, Father, who's never come under the blood of Jesus, who doesn't know about new birth, that this season of emphasis will help them think and respond obediently to the scripture. Father, thank you for your divine long-suffering with us for not treating us as our sins deserve, 
providing us a way by which we may live and have life that is truly life. May God be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week. Oh,